It's the next level. Fuck this cowboy shit! You fucking hold up, hold up. Well, then they're motherfuckers! All you have to do is give me the goddamn key! Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. language intended for adult audiences. Viewer discretion advised. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. But the darkness wasn't empty. It was full of creatures, full of demons. And they had seven keys formed into a circle that focused the power of the cosmos into their hands until God stepped forth and said, let there be bad podcasts. And there was a bad podcast. Coming to you, undead, from the Next Level Network of Podcasts, it's the Studio Zero Spook Show production of the one and only What What Lurks Lurks Behind behind Podcast Podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your discount version of the Crypt Keeper, so to speak. Your host, Postmortem Paul. And this is the 58th episode, which was actually supposed to be the 56th. But hey, you know, shit happens. And I'm pretty sure you can figure out what the topic of the week is, because it's none other than the Billy Zane, William Sadler feature presentation from the Tales of the Crypt Universe. One and only Demon Knight from 1995. Oh, but first. So, okay. This week, I'm going to do things a little bit differently because, like, I always do, like, this, like, opening monologue kind of thing or whatever. Well, because they didn't have an episode last week and I kind of want to stay within the horror theme and not go dancing off into that DC universe again like I seem to be doing lately... Um, Because really the shows were, eh, whatever. Um, So what I'm going to do is like kind of like little mini reviews of a few flicks that I watched over the past two weeks and whatnot. Um, Just some like notable films and whatnot. They're primarily new, so like I wanted to talk about like some newer films and whatnot. Anyways, we'll start off with... Uh, the Shutter exclusive of the movie The Furies. Okay, so The Furies. Uh, by the way, these are mini reviews, so I'm not going into like full details and shit. You know how it goes. Um, definitely not boring. Okay, so that's for sure. The movie's not boring. 
at the same time though the story is kind of lackluster in the fact that it doesn't answer all the questions you're gonna have now the kind of the cool thing about that is is it's a mindless you know violent movie so if you miss something honestly you probably wouldn't get your answer anyways so don't worry about it um that's the thing like story-wise it's very meh i'll say that much however the gore the gore is awesome there's practical effects up the ass in this movie uh some that are very fun to watch and some that are funny to laugh at uh quite over the top but fuck it i mean whatever it's fun to watch and i mean you get to laugh right like the first kill alone like the first kill in the movie one of the most laughable fucking things i have seen in the past 10 years and that's including the whole comedy genre that's out there because comedies today just aren't funny uh this was fucking funny uh <laughs> maybe it's my twisted sense of humor i don't know but i fucking laugh my ass off at some of the kills in this and then some of them i'm like uh, I don't think that's how that works, but I mean, again, you have to suspend disbelief. Whatever, it comes with the territory. That that's a horror film, right? Uh, set in Australia during the day, which is kind of cool. It's different, you know. So many horror films take place at night because you know the darkness adds to the spooky aesthetic and whatnot. Well, with this one, it's done during the day and still pretty good. It, the, you know, the the tension gets amped up pretty good and whatnot the beasts they're kind of like the killers or whatever uh they look like a bunch of slipknot rejects <laughs> uh but whatever i mean their masks are kind of cool um in a way not great they're not horrible uh there's a couple that look kind of cool uh overall the movie is quick paced short run time it's only 82 minutes long i mean it's even shorter than the movie that i'm featuring this week you know demon knight uh it's like i said a bit confusing doesn't answer all questions it was kind of lackluster when it came to story not horribly lackluster because i mean as it goes on you start to understand the whole beauty and the beast thing and whatnot clearly set up for a sequel uh definitely the gore is fun as fuck i'm not gonna lie lead female actress uh i believe her name was early dodds she's good she's worth watching this for she her acting is very solid uh she gives a very good performance it's not like your cheesy B-movie kind of performance. No, she actually brings brings some shit to the fight. You know what I mean? Um, it's a great movie for, you know, after work, you're tired, you want some mind-numbing violence. Watch this. Watch The Furies. Uh, it's, again, not the worst thing I've ever seen. Not the best thing I've ever seen. I mean, it's kind of like in the middle there, which is pretty much where my rating is. It's a little more than average. I gave it a 6 out of 10 myself because yeah i felt it deserved it um let's move on to the next movie next movie was uh, a 2019 film uh list okay it's listed as a horror film but i'd fit it more under the category of fantasy uh the movie i'm talking about by the way comes from uh the state of michigan uh, my soul to keep uh, okay so story-wise it's kind of like, you know, at Home Alone, when Kevin Kevin McAllister goes into the basement and there's that furnace. It's like the furnace monster and 
you know, finally after a while, he's like, shut up. And it, like, well, that whole thing. Anyways, so this movie takes that idea and just really elaborates on it, really, like, stretches it out. Um, as I said, the movie was completely filmed and based in West Bloomfield, Michigan. Uh, all the actors are from Michigan as well. So that's pretty kind of, like, that's kind of cool. And what's pretty awesome about the movie is, like, especially if you grew up in the area of Michigan or southern Ontario or whatnot, there's a few, like, like there's, like, a few, um, like, eggs, I guess they call them. You know what I mean? Like, there's those little, like, nods to to the idea, like, to Michigan, so to speak, that, like, those of us who have been around it, we'd catch it. To the average viewer, they might not catch it so much, but... For those of us who have like grown up in the area, it's like, oh, that was kind of cool. All right, I, I caught that, you know. So they did that. Um, the movie starts off slow. Okay, so I'm not gonna lie. There, there's a lot of setup, I guess you would say, a lot of character building. Um, but then the last half hour is like super decent. Uh, the thing about this movie, there's no gore. There's no gore. I mean, almost no violence to be really honest and aside from a bit of language like any eight-year-old could watch this movie honestly like i mean it's like i said it's more a fantasy it's like a, a child's fantasy movie than it is a horror flick uh i mean season as i call them seasoned horror nerds <laughs> they won't find this movie scary at all like there's nothing I mean if you're not one for scary movies yeah you might like feel the tension and the suspense and whatnot but if you are if if if, if you've watched a lot of horror movies you're gonna watch this and go this fucking shit ain't scary <laughs> um but I mean the the standout that comes from this movie what makes it worth watching even if you don't find it scary is the child actors all three children in this are fucking amazing uh what were their names parker smirik remington Zilniak, and ariel olkowski i know wow thanks for giving me three fucking names i can't pronounce uh but anyways all of them were excellent in this movie they were a lot of fun to watch the movie was directed by ajmal zahir ahmed who also directed a movie called Jin. um like i said not a bad movie but not scary either. If you're looking for a scary horror flick, this is not the movie to be watching. Uh, but the kids are definitely fun to watch. That's for sure. I gave this movie a 5.5 out of 10. Final movie I'm going to kind of like just elaborate on a little bit. And then we move on to the main feature of the week. The Night Sitter. Uh, this was a movie that I kind of just like fell upon. Um, I really hadn't heard anything up to. I believe it's like a 2018 film. I'd never even heard of it, and then all of a sudden it was just like it was like there. I think it was like on a Facebook post or something. And I was like, "Oh, that looks interesting. Let's check it out." So I did. To put it simply, it um, it's definitely a nod to like the Gialli films of like like the Italian horror Gialli, um, and like I mean, okay, obviously it it gives nods to Dario Argento for sure, especially with the idea of like the villains in this are like they're called the three mothers and i mean where have we heard that before right like you know so obviously that idea comes from you know dario argento and then there's also the idea of like the bright usage of color like very suspiria like and i'm talking the only real suspiria movie 
That remake is not Suspiria. Okay, good movie, but not Suspiria. Um, but, you know, the original, the 1977 Suspiria, how it had, like, all the vibrant reds and the blues and the greens and all that sort of idea. This movie does that, too, which is really cool. And then it takes those ideas and melds it in with, like, an Evil Dead kind of approach. So, I mean, I'm, I gotta say it, like... Is the Night Sitter anywhere close to being as good as those films? Eh, uh-uh, no. I mean, Suspiria and Evil Dead are like, they are on a level all their own. But this movie's not bad, though. Like, some of the acting in this movie is actually really, really good. Um, and yeah, there's some actors that are meh, whatever. But some of the acting is like, actually not bad. Um, good electronic score. And. Okay, so lately with the whole idea of electronic scores and movies having this like throwback 80s feel and whatnot, and so many of them, like, in order to give that 1980s throwback feel, they'll have that it takes place in 1984 or 1983, and, you know, we're, we're 80s. Okay, so what's really cool about this movie, this movie wanted to pay, you know, homage to the 80s feel of horror films but had no problem staying like present day um like it 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 takes place like easily in 2018 2019 there's cell phones there's like you know there's social media and stuff in this movie it had no problem saying okay we want the feel of the 80s movies but we don't have to like you know time travel to 1984 and say we're 1984 remember us no because most of you don't um and that made the film actually a little bit more likable. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, good practical effects for a low-budget flick. The one thing that I liked about this, okay, so the movie takes place at Christmas time, which is how they kind of explain the bright reds, the bright greens, the bright blues and stuff, the lighting and the weird coloring all over the place. Well, it took place at Christmas and they had like Christmas lights were like giving off that aura and whatnot. So it helped to explain the, uh, what I call the abundance of color in this movie. And I like that. Again, though, third film where I kind of say this, my only complaint really is that it takes a while to get going with the story and the horror aspect of the story. Other than that, the movie can be quite predictable, which also takes away from it, but at the same time, Nowadays, horror movies really don't do unpredictable. Even with jump scares nowadays, it's like, yeah, I saw that coming. So, I mean, I'll take, I take points off of it, but whatever. All in all, I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed The Night Sitter. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10 myself. Other movies I've watched uh, because, I, you know, it, it's been a long two weeks since I've recorded, right? So I watched uh, Killers from Space which is like a 1950s like sci-fi alien invasion movie <laughs> where the aliens basically have like ping pong balls for eyes. It's fucking hilarious. Um, I finally watched Satan's Little Helper uh, with, holy shit, Catherine Winnick is hot as fuck. But anyways, um, yeah, you know, it's been on, well, okay, the U.S. version of 2B TV for quite a while now and I've always meant to watch it and I just never got around to it and I finally did and not bad I enjoyed it I, it was fun I also watched uh, Blood Frenzy which okay so <laughs> Blood Frenzy I remembered 
the movie, I remembered that Lisa Loring, who was the original Wednesday Adams from the 1960s TV show. I remember she was in it. For the life of me, though, I'm like, I don't remember this movie. I know I've seen it because the title and the fact that she was in it and all that sort of stuff. I remembered that. I was just like, I don't remember this movie. Well, there's a reason why for that. It's not that good. It's really not. I mean, yeah, okay. So it's another slasher flick in an era when slasher flicks were, you know, a dime a dozen kind of thing. But I realize now why I don't remember the movie or didn't remember the movie was because it really wasn't that good. I remember that it was, um, I mean, it gets talked about because it was one of those like shot on video, uh, like movies. It was, you know, it didn't have like theatrical release or anything. It was like direct to video shot on video kind of thing. Uh, you can definitely see it. <laughs> it definitely doesn't look good. Um, but the story was boring, and I started to realize as I was watching it, I'm like, now I know I don't remember this movie, because it's not good. <laughs> um, I saw people online that actually loved it. I was like, okay, hey, each to their own, man. I mean, if shot on video kind of movies are your thing, then maybe you'd enjoy it. I know I didn't. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I watched that, and, oh, I, I have to say this, because this is it has to be marked down in history on the podcast here. I can finally say, you guys know I've been building my VHS collection up, you know, back to what it was at one point in my life, and I can finally say that Return of the Living Dead is now part of my collection again. I am very happy about this. I'm very ecstatic about it. Um, the quality of the tape itself... It's a little beat up. It's the cool thing about this is it's an original pressing. It's like from the first release on VHS. So, and I got it at fairly decent price. The box art is barely even beaten up. It looks really nice. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I know the tape's a little, eh, it's banged up in some spots, but that's VHS, you know, and that's what you get. And I'm okay with it. I love it. I love that it's like back in my collection. I love that I can I can see the title there, you know. I also added um Elvira Mistress of the Dark back on VHS. Yeah. And John Carpenter's Vampires. That one I found at a, a Value Village thrift store for like a buck. And like literally I like I walked in the door and like started heading towards the VHS tapes. Well, the movie section anyways cuz sometimes they don't have many VHS tapes, but and it was like just like it was like one of those like ah, glowing like aura kind of moments where it was like the tape was just there and I'm like mine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I've added uh, oh shit, I've added quite a few tapes actually lately. Um, trying to think what else I've added. Uh, Stand by me is one I've added recently. Um, oh, I got the Rocky collection, all the the first five. Because Rocky Balboa, the sixth film, isn't on VHS, right? Because it came out after, so. But uh, I got the first five in, in the collector's box set and everything. It's kind of cool. But anyways, enough of that. Enough of the enough of the bullshit. It's time to get moving on with this show. Get moving on to the topic of the day. You know, from 1995. This is a fun review this week. Um, it's a movie that plays out like, like one of those like extended editions. You know, of a kick-ass episode of a show. You know, a show behind the magic that is Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt was like, you know, it was big back in the day. I kind of wish they'd bring it back, but 
We're very lucky Shudder has brought back Creepshow as like, you know, a weekly anthology show. It's kind of cool. Um, but this week's episode is none other than Tales from the Crypt presents The Demon Knight. So we'll do what we do. Trailer drop. And then we'll be back in a moment, kitties. I can't do Crypt Keeper's voice. Sorry, guys. I was thinking about that. I was like, there's got to be a way I can do like the Crypt Keeper voice, but... There's like some program online, I guess, where you can like, you can alter your voice to sound like the Crypt Keeper, but I couldn't get it to work, so. You get the discount version of like, you know, my shitty voice, but hey, it is what it is. Back in a moment, kitties. Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <laughs> for my big scream premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Uh-oh. Special effects. <laughs> Sex. Yeah. Violence. You could really sink your teeth into. Frights! Camera! Action! It's about a chase through the ages, a race against time. The war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody! Time to play! And the final battle between man. And demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm, William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky. Thank you. <laughs> All right, welcome back, kids, to this week's episode of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, an episode that is going to be so heavily edited, yet you won't know it, but I'll know it, because it has been nothing but fuck-ups since I started recording this. I've been recording this now for over two hours fucking hours you don't know that like i said you're gonna hear the nice polished version which you aren't going to hear all the goddamn screw-ups i have had with this it has just been unreal this this week (sighs) i love podcasting i really do but there are some episodes that it's just like why the fuck did i start (laughs) but okay we're gonna move on um because I do want to talk about this movie uh, to explain the episodes. I've noticed the past couple weeks, my episodes have been running a little bit longer than I would like them to. So I'm trying to condense these down. I'm still going to do the rundown of, you know, your director, producers, cast and all that, but not spending so much time on properties they've done other than said, you know, feature of the week kind of thing. Uh, Just because I find that the episodes are just running way too long. So, 
We'll start with this. So, Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight was released Friday, January 13th, 1995. The movie, the idea of Tales from the Crypt, I should say, was based on the hit HBO TV series, Tales from the Crypt. It ran from June 10th, 1989 to June 19th, 96, 1996. Uh, basically seven seasons, you know, a total of, what was it, 93 episodes. I think the first season was only something like six episodes, too. Like, it was a really short season. Um, kind of like Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and all those other shows. They always seem like they start off with, like, really small chunk of episodes. And as each season goes on, they progressively get bigger. Um... The title itself, Tales from the Crypt, is based on the 1950s EC Comics series of the same name. And most of the content that was within that show uh, originated in the comics or other EC Comics of that time. Um, this, however, this movie, Demon Knight, uh, based on a story by Ethan Reif, Cyrus Morris, and Mark Bishop. And it was directed by Ernest Dickerson. Ernest Dickerson prior to doing Demon Knight, had done movies uh, Juice in 1992 and Surviving the Game in 1994. The producers for the movie were uh, Gilbert Adler, Robert Zemeckis, Richard Donner, Richard Edlin, Walter Hill, and Joel Silver. And your cinematographer, or as he was credited in the movie, uh, director of photography, was Rick Boda. And Rick Boda worked on films like Kiss the Girls, Mimic, House on Haunted Hill, the remake, and the David Boreanaz slasher, Valentine, which is actually a really good movie. I know it's it's part of that whole 90s cheese PG-13 kind of slasher thing, but I don't care. I still like it. <laughs> the music for the movie. Now, keep in mind, the Tales from the Crypt theme was done by Danny Elfman. However, the score for the film was done by Edward Shamer. And he did movies like Species 2, Cruel Intentions, College Road Trip, and Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. And also, as much of, as many of you know, there's also a soundtrack for, you know, Demon Knight, which featured music by, like, Biohazard, Sepultura. I'm probably saying it wrong. Sepultura, Sepultura, whatever, whatever the fuck. Their music's awesome, and that's all that fucking matters. I've heard it pronounced so many different ways, I don't even know what the real pronunciation is anymore. Um, you know, and uh, Filter was used, Grave Diggers. Um, so it was, it's a good soundtrack, by the way, I might add. You know, back in the 90s, we had good soundtracks, man. You had fucking Natural Born Killers, Lost Highway, even though that movie is woo fucked. The soundtrack was awesome. The Crow, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Oh man, movies movies in the 90s, even though sometimes the movies weren't good, the soundtracks kicked fucking ass. Moving on to special effects. So, yes, we all know, the Crypt Keeper himself, as I mentioned in a previous episode, you know, Kevin Yeager. As a matter of fact, it was last episode. But anyways, Kevin Yeager created, designed the, the Crypt Keeper. You know, he did the whole puppetry work and whatnot. His team was behind all that. However, the other special effects in this movie were done by Todd Masters and his team. And Todd worked on other films like American Mary, Slither, uh, Leprechaun 2, Elysium, and the Belko Experience. Ex experiment. Why I want to say experience, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is I'm making so many mistakes this week that there's some that you're still going to hear. Because <laughs> that one I don't think I'll remember to edit out. 
Okay, starring cast. We got a good cast for this. Um, they they went all out, man. They got they got a good cast for this movie, and it it definitely shows. Billy Zane. So Billy Zane, and I have much to talk about him later on, but I'll just say this for now. Billy Zane plays the collector. He's our antagonist of of, of the film. He's also been in movies like Titanic, Dead Calm, The Phantom, and he was most recently uh, in DC's Legends of Tomorrow as P.T. Barnum. So there's that. And then your your other male lead, your your protagonist of the of the film is William Sadler. And William Sadler plays Frank Breaker. And you might know him from uh, well, let's see. He was in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He was in Shawshank Redemption. He was in The Mist. Ah, but the one that I know him best from, one, well, the role I love him most in is uh, from Die Hard 2. Colonel Stewart. I almost say Conal. <laughs> Colonel Stewart. Yes, he, he, he was that guy. Okay. So, this one. Hmm. All right. Jada Pinkett. No, not Jada Pinkett Smith. Just Jada Pinkett. Because she hadn't uh, married Will Smith yet at this point. She plays Geraldine. Um, obviously, we know she was in Scream 2. She was one of the first victims. It was kind of fun to watch. Um, she was also in The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. And one cool thing that... Uh, I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, if you're an anime fan, which I am, I, I like a lot of anime, she was one of the voices in the uh, English dubbed uh, adaptation of uh, Princess Mononoke. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. Mononoke. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. For the longest time, I'll give you guys a good laugh. So it's like Mononoke is the actual pronunciation of it. For the longest time, I used to tell people it was Mononoke. And I could never say it right. It always came out like, no, 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 Noki. Um, so, yeah, I, I still stress I still stress and struggle on that one, but it is what it is. Uh, moving on to Thomas Hayden Church as Roach. Um, plays a really good asshole in this movie. But we, uh, we've also seen him. He was in Spider-Man 3. Oh, that movie. Spider-Man 3. The movie that has way too many villains for its own fucking good. But he played the Sandman in that one. Uh, he was also in the movie Tombstone. He was Ned in the show Ned and Stacy. Uh, and most recently, he was in the new Hellboy uh, with uh, David Harbour. He played Lobster Johnson. Moving on to CCH Pounder as Irene. She's like the the hotel like owner or whatever, right? And it's funny because I know she she's done a ton of work. She's done so much. But whenever I think of CCH Pounder, I think of one thing: Amanda Waller. I think of her as Amanda Waller in so many DC shows and and properties and video games and everything like she was even Amanda Waller at the end of the Batman Arkham Origins game when we see Deathstroke doing the push-ups and you know he's approached to be part of Task Force X and who is Amanda Waller at CCH Pounder like and her voice is so iconic in so many of the DC like TV shows and the cartoons and whatnot she was also in uh, Sons of Anarchy though um, and she, she had a good role in that I like that show that was a good show and she was recently in Godzilla King of the Monsters. 
So the voice that I wish I could do, but I can't do, uh, belongs to John Kassir. John Kassir is the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and he's done a lot of voice work, but he's probably the one exception here where I didn't write other works that he's done. Something really popped out at me, and I never knew this until I was researching this, but he was married to Julie Benz, who was Darla in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was also uh, Rita in Dexter. Um, they were married from 1998 to 2007. I never knew this. I was like, that was very intriguing to me. I was like, wow, like that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, whatever. They got a divorce, sadly. But I mean, you know, Rita was married to the Crypt Keeper at one point. That's fucking awesome. You know, <laughs> anyways, whatever. Um, Cordelia, the character of Cordelia. And I'm going to screw up this last name. I know I am. Uh she was played by Brenda Bakay. I'm going to say it's Bakay. It's B-A-K-K-E. I'm assuming it's some weird pronunciation that I am going to terribly fuck up. So that's that. Uh, anyways, she was also in um, films like L.A. Confidential, Hot Shots Part 2, and Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Moving on to Uncle Willie. Yeah, Uncle Willie's a fun one. He's... And we've seen this man many, many times. Dick Miller. Dick Miller plays Uncle Willie. Um, and, I mean, he's he's been in some good ones. He's been in Gremlins. He's been in Chopping Mall, The Terminator, The Burbs, The Howling. A lot of movies with the in front of the title. But uh, he was in Evil Tunes. God, that movie. That's a fucking weird movie. Um, he had a small role in the uh, 1990 Flash TV series. And he had an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. He was also in V, The Final Battle, the, uh, the miniseries. That was, that was the one I think ran three parts. Three-part miniseries. So he was in... And I mean, obviously, he's done so much more. I mean, I, like I said, I'm condensing these things down. But I could have gone on forever with his career. Moving on to Gary Farmer. Gary Farmer plays Deputy Bob. I'll make this really quick because... He was in a lot of shit, but the one that stood out to me was Dead Man with Johnny Depp. It was like a western that Johnny Depp was in way back in the day. And he was in that. Um, so Ryan O'Donohue plays Danny. Now, Danny is an interesting one because he, in this movie, he's a kid. He's the kid that, you know, whatever. He's got the long hair and the red hoodie and shit like that. But all this time I've always watched this movie, I'm like, damn, he sounds familiar. But I've never been able to place it. And all of a sudden, like, something, like, sprung out at me when I was looking up his, like, resume. And it was like, oh, fuck, now I know where I've heard the voice. He was Matt McGinnis on Batman Beyond. He was Terry McGinnis's little brother. And now watching Demon Knight, knowing that, it's like, ah, I hear it, man. He is. He's, he's little Matty. Um, so that's kind of cool. Charles Fleischer. Okay. So Charles Fleischer, he, he plays Wally. I love that name. Gee, I wonder why I love that name. But he, he plays Wally. Um, you might know him from A Nightmare on Elm Street. He was the, the sleep doctor there. Um, but I every time I see this man's name, uh, there's always one thing that pops out in my head, and that's Roger Rabbit. He did the voice of Roger Rabbit. And, I mean, talk about a contrast, right? Like going from horror movies to Roger Rabbit. Whatever. Man's got to work, right? Okay, I swear I'm almost done, kids. I'm, we're getting there. John Shuck as Ch uh, Sheriff Tupper. Uh, he's um, 
he's uh, been a Vulcan a couple times, I believe. Is a Vulcan or a Klingon? I don't know. I wish I knew Star Trek better. I'm going to get my ass kicked for saying that, too, because, like, there's, there's some of you guys are Star Trek fans, and you know your shit. I don't. I'm on the opposite side of that. I'm the Star Wars kid. But uh, he was in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and Star Trek VI. He was also in Dick Tracy, and I'm going to mention this because I have to get my little shot in there. He was in Outrageous Fortune. Outrageous Fortune has Bette Midler. All of you motherfuckers right now that are going on about your goddamn Hocus Pocus, suck it. I say that with all the love in my heart, but suck it. That movie sucks, but she was awesome in Outrageous Fortune. I will say that. That movie is fucking hilarious, so I'm going to give Bette Midler her props there. But stop talking about Hocus Pocus. The movie sucks. That's my opinion. Anyways, moving on to Sherry Rose. Sherry Rose plays Wanda. Uh, She's Homer's wife, I believe, in this. Um, I mentioned her because she was on one of my favorite TV shows in an episode or two, I think, Married with Children. She was also in the 1990 Flash. Uh, We're almost done here, so Brock Winkless is actually the Crypt Keeper's puppeteer. Um, I believe he's actually, okay, there's the one scene at the very beginning of the movie where we see the Crypt Keeper as a director, and he's running up yelling at, like, you know, the cast that, you know, are not hacking very well, as he says. Well, Brock Winkless is that human body that kind (laughs) of walks along, and, and they, like, you know green screen the head like they they matted on the head of the crypt keeper somehow or did like some form of puppetry with that or whatever i don't know exactly how it works but whatever uh and then the slasher that's in that scene where the, the director crypt keeper is like getting all pissed off that's john larroquette i'm sure you guys all knew that that's it for a cast I, i'm gonna stop there the runtime on this movie is 92 minutes the movie is rated R for horror, violence, sexuality, and language. The budget was $13 million and the box office gross was $21.1 mil, so made about $8 million more than it's spent. I like this movie because it's a Canadian film. It was filmed in British Columbia with a few of the scenes filmed in California, so it's a Can-Am pro- production, whatever. But now it's time to move on to... The synopsis. And then once we're done the synopsis, then I'm going to spit out some notes, break down the movie, and then we're going to get the fuck on out of here. All right? How's that sound, kids? So, synopsis time now. The Kripke, one of the hardest working stiffs in showbiz, makes his big screen debut hosting this diabolically funny frightener that will leave you shrieking for more. Billy Zane is the seductively evil collector, forever in pursuit of Breaker, a mysterious drifter with an ancient key that holds the power to block the forces of darkness from destroying humanity. In his quest for the key, the collector conjures up a gruesome cadre of cadavers who have definitely been out of the freezer too long to bedevil the inhabitants of a rundown hotel. Armed with sacred blood, automatic weapons, and really strong stomachs. Breaker, beautiful, strong-willed Geraldine, and the other hotel orders must try to defeat the Collector and his fiendish army. Who among them will make it to the morning light? Watch your backs, boils and ghouls. 
while you savor this terrific tale of good versus evil that boasts awesome special effects, plus the Crypt Keeper's brand of defrightful deadpan humor. You'll die laughing. Alright, with that out of the way, now it's time for Notes Notes from from Beyond the Crypt. This is my notes. This is my takeaway from the film. This is me showing that I know a bit about this movie. This is basically my review. Uh, As mentioned earlier, so the movie was released on January 13th, 1995, which was a Friday. I love that they did that. They released it on a Friday the 13th. It was completely intentional because they felt that, you know, Friday the 13th, what with horror and all that sort of stuff. And Tales from the Crypt. Even though in a lot of ways it was a comedy, at the same time it had it obviously had its roots in horror. And they thought, you know, let's have fun with this. So when the movie was released, it was a Friday the 13th. Okay, so I mentioned earlier about a trilogy. And here's the thing. At the end of the closing credits, uh, whether you saw it theatrically or um, VHS and DVD release... So at the end of the credits, the Crypt Keeper has one last little segment that he, he, he pops back up on the screen. And he, um, he announces that his next movie will be called Dead Easy. Uh, which Dead Easy, which was also supposed to be known as Fat Tuesday. Anyways, it was supposed to be a zombie story that would take place in New Orleans. The whole idea of the film was scrapped. Never went with it. Then there was a third film that was you know, supposed to happen called Body Count. That, too, also never happened. Uh, We did get a trilogy completed with uh, Demon Knight was the first one, Bordello of Blood was the second one, and then Ritual in 2002 was the third one. Um, It didn't happen the way they wanted it to, but it happened nonetheless. But... Now, when you like, I know, like, when it's aired on TV, or if you have the Blu ray, that end credit scene where the Crypt Keeper came back and was like, Oh, and coming up soon is the, you know, my next film, Dead Easy, and all that sort of stuff. That's been taken off now. And the Blu ray release there is, that's not there. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a special feature, though. They may have left it in, like, as a, you know, one of like the special features or something. But to my knowledge, it was completely omitted once they released the Blu ray. So. Uh, another idea that was omitted. Thank God for this. Uh, <laughs> so the studio originally, Universal Studios, originally wanted Cameron Diaz for the role of Jerry Lynn. Uh, Ernest Dickerson convinced them otherwise and asked them to go with Jada Pinkett instead. I'm kind of glad they did that. Uh, Jada Pinkett, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of her acting or whatnot, but... I like her in this movie. She's actually not bad in Demon Knight. She, she's quite fun. So I'm, and I can't stand Cameron Diaz. I know that sounds horrible of me to say that, but I just, I can't tolerate her. Even in the, like, I love the movie Any Given Sunday, but she's, I have a hard time dealing with her and I don't know what it is because like, she's not a bad actress and she's not ugly. I don't, it's not, it's not like whether it's like ugly or even pretty or anything like I just I do I can't put my finger on it. I just don't like Cameron Diaz. So I'm kind of glad they went with what they did. Um Demon Knight, however, was a script that had been circulating around uh Hollywood uh for a number of years. It uh it was not an actual EC comic story. 
as you heard me mention earlier about how like a lot of the Tales from the Crypt series, a lot of those stories were based off the comics and or comics from EC Comics. Um, this, however, Demon Knight was not one of those things. However, when the producers were starting to put together the Tales from the Crypt movie, I actually liked the tone and the humor and the horror of Demon Knight. So they basically took the script on and turned it into a Tales from the Crypt movie. Um, so that that's kind of cool. Uh, little eggs that got thrown into the movie as well. Like, for example, like Breaker, he says he received the key from a soldier named Dickerson. And that was kind of like a nod to uh, Ernest Dickerson, who, you know, who who basically did this movie. Um, and one, one thing that I'm sure most fans know, but there is the odd person that doesn't know this, especially if they didn't see the TV series. But William Sadler, this was not his first role in a Tales from the Crypt story. Uh, he was uh, in the pilot episode, if, for those of you who remember that. And he played the executioner, but he was credited as Bill Sadler, not William Sadler. Speaking of William Sadler, so I might as well start talking about the different cast and what I like about them and stuff like that. William Sadler is great as Breaker. He really is. He, he's solid. Um, Jada Pinkett, like I said earlier, very, very tolerable in this film, Like especially if you're not a fan of hers. So there is a, there's a contingency of people that don't like her acting. Um, and then there's other people that love her and whatnot. But she's she's good in this movie. I really like her. Thomas Hayden Church playing like the asshole roach. Um, plays it very well. And like CCH Pounder, you know, anything she does is awesome. She's gold. Like, you know. But I have to, I have to stress this. Billy Zane owns this fucking movie. His charm, his wit his charisma, his sass, everything that he brings to the character of the collector just fucking oozes beauty on the screen. I mean, I've seen people online that have said he deserves an Oscar nomination. He should have at least been nominated, if not one. Like, but again, horror movie. We all know how the Academy loves fucking horror movies. They don't. They usually fucking ignore them. Unless you're Get Out because you were directed by Jordan Peele, who's a comedian. And, well, it's okay. We'll let that movie slide. You know, Silence of the Lambs, that made sense. Alien, that made sense. Starman, (laughs) well, not horror, but Carpenter film, nonetheless, made sense. But there's so many horror films that get underrated and overlooked because we're the Academy and we don't like horror movies. Well, fuck you, because Billy Zane deserved recognition. He's awesome in this. He is the movie. Um, yes, the effects are great. Uh, the Crypt Keeper is fun. Like I said, the, the the actors I've mentioned, I'll add Dick Miller to that as well, and Brenda Bacay or Bacay or whatever her name is. Like, God, I'm so sorry. If she ever listens to this, which she won't, but if she does, I apologize for butchering your name. Um, but they're all awesome. You know, Charles Fleischer is awesome in this. Um, but it's Billy Zane. Billy Zane owns this fucking movie. Um, the other thing that owns this movie, the effects. You guys, you know I'm going to talk about the effects. So, this movie is oozy, it's bloody, it's gory, and when I say oozy, I mean like as in ooze, as in dripping, as in wet 
substance and whatnot, not like an Uzi submachine gun. Fuck that crap. But like this movie just has goo and and gore all over it. Ninety five percent of this movie is easily practical effects. I mean, some of the CGI I think is like you know like the green the green lasers that blow out of the demon's eyes when they get shot in the head and stuff like that. I mean, okay. There is elements of CGI, obviously, in this movie, but the practical effects are so fucking awesome. And some of them still hold up today. Like, I mean, okay, granted, you know, when, you know, the sheriff gets a hole punched through his head, eh, it looks kind of funny and whatnot. But, you know, it is kind of funny, though, when Billy Zane's like, ah, fuck it, I ain't waiting. And he just like puts his fist right through the fucking sheriff's head. And it's like, yeah, that's some sweet shit, dude. Um you know, or like when we see the demons being spawned from the ground and they're like, they're ripping the, the, the fucking like, it's like they're almost like circumcising themselves, like ripping that skin off the top of their head and whatnot. It looks fucking awesome. Todd Masters did a great job with making the gore and the carnage and everything look fun and chaotic and whatnot. And it just, it's all like slimy and shit. And it looks awesome. Like it really, really does. Um, in terms of effects, but humor, the Crypt Keeper. And granted, he's not in this movie a lot, but he's in it enough. He's in it enough. And like I mentioned earlier, so the Crypt Keeper's design was created by Kevin Yeager. We all know this. The deadpan humor that comes with the Crypt Keeper, it, it, he brings it at the beginning and the conclusion. And like I said, in that bonus credit scene that on the Blu-ray is non-existent. But it really helps... Like, I know that this is meant to be a full feature film. It wasn't meant to be, a, you know, an extended episode. Even though those of us who grew up watching the show, it, that's kind of what it felt like. But we didn't have a problem with it. Like, we're not complaining. Um, but then, like, the element of humor. And there's a... That's the thing. Like, this movie does a great job of blending horror with humor and not making it feel forced. We see this so much today. You know, like, even... And I know I, I've been unfairly critical of this movie at times, but the Halloween, the 2018 Halloween movie, some of that humor that was in it felt forced. It felt like, why was it here? This was Danny McBride putting his stink all over it. And it's like, don't do that. You know, like with a movie like this, the humor just kind of like just blended like right in with like some of like the most goriest and horrific scenes you could think of you know like the whole like um what they what do they call it the the hooker zombie scene i think is what i've seen it called on the internet and whatnot where basically cordelia gets possessed and she's like you know tearing apart poor old wally there it's like well wally you got your action but <laughs> you know but um like you know like it it they it just such so well done you know mixing the 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 humor, the horror, like, I just can't, I can't stress it enough, the score. So here's the thing. So we have Danny Elfman's opening theme, and I love that they implemented the full theme in there and everything like that. I thought that was awesome. And then Edward Shamer comes along, and he's doing the score. They didn't get Elfman to do the score. They didn't get Shirley Walker or anyone else. They got Edward Shamer. And what was really cool about his score, I found, when I'm watching this movie, is that it feels very natural. It feels like it's on par with Elfman's essence. You know what I'm saying? Like the score doesn't feel like it doesn't belong. It feels very natural. It feels like it is a part of the tales from the crypt world. And 
it works out so well. Uh, did I mention Dick Miller, by the way? Like, he's a fucking gem, too. I, I need to acknowledge that for a second. Dick Miller is one of those actors that... I love him so much. Like, obviously, Gremlins being one of my top three favorite films, and he's Mr. Futterman. He's fucking awesome in that. But playing Uncle Willie in this, especially that scene where, like, it's basically his time to go in the movie, and he's, like, hallucinating, or, like, well... What is it? Like, the collector does that mind trick shit on him. He's like a Jedi, you know, Jedi mind trick you, you motherfucker, and you ho-dunk, po-dunk, motherfucker. Like, fuck, God, Billy Zane fucking kicked ass. But anyways, when Dick Miller is about to die, and we know it's coming because all of a sudden he sees all these, like, naked women all around him, and, you know, Billy Zane is offering him drinks and whatnot, and then he goes full-on demon. And for those of you who might follow the Facebook page, I recently put up their uh, Entertainment Tonight uh, segment from 1994 where it was about the making of uh, Demon Knight. And there's like an interview with Dick Miller and he's got like shit in his mouth. Fuck, dude. Like he's just, you could tell he he had to have been one of those like fun actors to just be with, you know, on and off the screen. And God, he's such a gem. I just, I have to, I have to focus on that. And God damn it, get that pussy off the table scene. <laughs> Fuck, that part's hilarious. Good old CCH pounder. But, like, that scene too, like, and then when she's like, I meant the cat, because you see Cordelia sliding off the table, and she, it's, fuck. And some of, fuck, what about the scene with Thomas Hayden Church where he's like, oh, stop, turn it off, turn it off, my nipples are smoking. It's like, oh my God, this is fucking hilarious. And I've actually read reviews where people said, like, they didn't think this movie was funny at all. It's like, fuck you, what are you talking about? Like, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of crude and crass humor, like, fucking lighten the fuck up already. Like, I don't know. And I notice I'm saying like a lot this episode. I don't know why. Anyways, some of my favorite scenes included, like, obviously, Irene's arm getting ripped off is really cool. Um, when Danny becomes a demon, he's like that big, it's like that, you know, you get them toys where, like, it was like the big head on the little body, and that's what Danny was like. He was like the big head on the little body demon, and I think I mentioned the nipples are smoking scene. That's definitely up there. I, I still, to this day, laugh at that every time. Um, I love the fact that they use Hey Man, Nice Shot in the opening scenes of the movie. Like, that, that I love that, too. And, and then, obviously, like, you know, when the Crypt Keeper is, like, directing at the beginning and, you know, there's the naked chick in the bathtub. And then he's, like, bitching at John Larroquette. And John Larroquette's, like, directors, where'd they dig this guy up and all that? It's just stupid humor like that. Like, I just, I fucking love it. Apparently... If you're a critic, you didn't, but if you're a fan, you did. So here's how it goes. So the movie on Rotten Tomatoes has a 38% approval rating from critics. Fuck off. Just seriously, just go fuck off already. Uh, Metacritic's not much better at 48% approval rating. Really? Like, what movie did you... What What do people expect when they go into a Tales from the Crypt movie? That's what I want to know. What the fuck are you expecting to see? Uh, IMDB, fuck, for being fans, like, even this seems, like, a little off to me, but, I don't know, 6.7 out of 10 on uh, Internet Movie Database, okay, maybe, I guess, I don't know, Variety Magazine, oh, this, some of these quotes are just fucking hilarious, Variety wrote that it is neither funny enough nor scary enough to be fully satisfying as either a shocker or a spoof, 
get over yourself. David Cronkey of the Los Angeles Times called the film a direct-to-video affair that was given a theatrical release based on the strength of the franchise. Seriously? Really? Like, okay, even I've said, yes, the movie at times feels like it's an extended, you know, episode. But still, what's wrong with watching it in the theaters? Like, I don't know. I don't... Fuck. People... Ugh. You know, there are so many things that... So many direct-to-video movies that never got theatrical releases that I wish would have. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Chris Egertson of Bloody Disgusting called it one of the most underrated genre entries of the 90s. I have to agree with him. It's definitely underrated. Like, what the fuck? The podcast reeking rating of this week's review. So... Here's how I sum this up. So with Billy Zane's zany, and I had to say that zany, I know, bad, bad pun, I get it. But with Billy Zane's, you know, enjoyable performance, demons that actually look and feel like some fucking sick and wretched demons. Like, they're sick looking, they're gross. I love the one, uh, what, what scene is it now? I think it's when, when Wally is like trying to shoot one of them, but he's not shooting it in the eyes yet. He's shooting it in the head and it looks at him and starts laughing. Fuck. The, it's just stupid little shit like that that makes this movie so fucking great. But anyways, these demons feel like fucking demons to me anyways. Um, or some of the kids in my neighborhood, but that's besides the point. Uh, it's got over-the-top effects. Fun gore, dialogue that feels more natural than most horror films in current times because some of these movies that are coming out, it's like, God, can you make the dialogue any worse? Has a wicked soundtrack, wicked score, overall just a fun horror comedy experience, experience this time, not experiment, uh, that doesn't need to take itself way too serious to bog it down. Nine crips out of ten for me. I, I'm serious. I put it way up there. To me, this is a fucking nine. Um, it's it's so much fun. Is it dated? Slightly. But still, the movie's a fucking gem. And I have to agree with, you know, Egertson from Bloody Disgusting. It is completely underrated. For, for how much fun this movie is and for the fact that Billy Zane is like gold in this movie... It is a very underrated and underappreciated film that more people need to get behind. That's my personal thoughts on it. I think I'm pretty much done, which you know what that means. On that note, thank you for listening. And yeah, um, like I said, I wanted to condense this down a little bit. I, I Sometimes I talk way too much. To the point where by the end of the episode, I'm even saying my throat is dry. Yeah, I know. I, I need to be more compact in my in my episodes. But, you know, like I say, it's a shared podcast experience. And it's a shared podcast learning experience because I'm still learning how to do this shit right. So I'm going to just quickly go through the where to find the show, the social media, the red bubble all that fun jazz and i'm also going to give a lurker's recommendation don't worry i didn't forget i just wanted to save it for later uh announce next episode and closing track and we will call it a night so first off if you haven't already you can subscribe to this podcast you can subscribe through apple podcasts google spotify Castbox, fm player or the next level network 
go to the nextlevelnetwork.com and the podcast is there. There's other podcasts as well, but hey, if you're looking for your horror fix or your B-movie fix or whatever, you've come to the right place. Well, maybe, <laughs> depending uh, on your uh, take on that. But um, hey, everyone's free to their opinion. And you can feel free to share your opinion with me through, you know, email. Uh, what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com. Fucking blast me if you want. I don't care. I, I, I mean, I care. But what I'm saying is, is say what you feel you need to say. I'm, I'm always open to great opinions. You can find the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero at Instagram, which I know my Instagram account's been really quiet lately. Sorry about that guys. But, uh, on Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero on Twitter at WLB podcast underscore zero, the Redbubble store, make your, make your life real easy. Okay. Instead of trying to remember the address, just go on the Facebook page and click on shop. Now it takes you right to the fucking store. You won't even, you don't even have to remember an address. Uh, Lurker's Recommendation. So, Lurker's Recommendation this week is a music recommendation. There's been a few, actually. There's a few I could have thrown on here. uh, Because Lindsay Schoolcraft. For those of you who don't know who Lindsay Schoolcraft is, she is a solo Canadian artist who also is the current keyboardist and backup vocalist for Cradle of Filth. But... She also has her own solo project. Uh, originally, she went by the name Schoolcraft. Now she goes by Lindsay Schoolcraft. Anyways, she released her first full-length album now. Uh, I believe it's is it 11 or 13 tracks. I know it was an odd number. Anyways, she just released that. That's really good. But my Lurker's recommendation so far this this week, the, the album that has blown my mind, which surprising is, is somewhat surprising because... I've been a little bit critical of this band as of the past couple albums they've released, but Lacuna Coil's new album, Black Anima, is fucking good. I was impressed, like, like really impressed. Um, fave tracks currently, <laughs> I'd have to say, like, Layers of Time is good. Venevisium, uh, Black Anime, or Black Anime, Black Anima, and uh, also the bonus track, uh, Black Dried Up Heart. Fuck, I love that song. I The other morning, I, I was playing it like on repeat, at least for a good half hour. I love that track. It's really fucking good. So, Lurker's recommendation, check out the new Lacuna Coil album. You know, if you're into that sort of shit and whatnot. Next episode. So, my episodes for this month kind of got changed up a bit. I had a whole idea of episodes for this month. But, as I mentioned, you know, not to mention, not only am I making a lot of mistakes this week that have mainly been edited out but i'm also having a lot of technical issues with my computer lately so i've had to kind of change some things up i'm not doing certain episodes i wanted to originally do so it is what it is but that doesn't mean that i can't have fun with the last few weeks of the month of october right so the next episode is a fun one is one i'm gonna have fun talking about uh, it's a tim burton flick and I know some people don't like Tim Burton, whatever. Get over yourselves because when you hear what movie I'm announcing, you'll be okay with it. I know you will because we're all fans of this movie. We're all fans of the Batman, except it's not Batman. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yes, from 1988, it is the Juice Demon. No, it's Beetlejuice. (laughs) 
So the juice demon thing to explain that really quickly. There's a Facebook post going around right now that's like, you know, the knockoff Halloween costumes that you find at like your thrift stores and whatnot. And there's one it's like um what is it? Uh midweek evil midweek cutie, which is supposed to be Wednesday Adams. Uh, and then there's one it's juice demon instead of Beetlejuice. I thought that was fucking hilarious. So it was like juice demon, juice demon, juice demon. <laughs> but anyways, whatever. Uh gonna close out this week with obviously a song from the demon knight soundtrack i thought i'd go with my misery which is also known as demon knight by machine head and close out with that i'm gonna shut the fuck up because god knows i'm done talking (laughs) you guys get an hour episode it took me three hours to record this goddamn motherfucker so (laughs) i am done thank you for tuning in everyone next episode Beetlejuice from 1988. Keep it creepy, guys.
so deep, that's a friend.